Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of welcomeheart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. I'm so happy today to introduce you to my friend from clear out in Minnesota. How's the weather there, Susan? Well, we are transitioning into fall here. So the Mm. leaves are starting to turn. We had our last warm day, um, which was like 88. We had that on Saturday. So we are now in the 60s and it'll go downhill from here. (laughs) So in Minnesota, you don't have uh, like surprise warm days later on because we're doing uh, Indian summer now, which is really hot for us on the central coast of California. It's about 88 here and that's hot. Uh, Do you get warm days like surprise days or not in Minnesota? We will. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we have some sixties and then we'll have some seventies kind of scattered in there. We'll have some Indian summer, but they won't last very long. So, okay. Well, you're hardy people. I married a hardy person from Iowa. So he keeps saying, you know, this is not cold. Oh yes, it is dear. Um, (laughs) So we have today, Susan Vanden Heuvel. Did I say that right? Very good. Woo. Very good. Is that Norwegian? It is Dutch. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Dutch, of course. Susan is a pastor and an author of three books or four, four books or three, three books and okay. a devotional. And a devotional. Okay. Well, I consider it a devotional book. So uh, Susan will be talking about uh, her ministry as well as her family. And then um, she will be giving away her 30 day devotional on our identity in Christ. Is that right? That is right. Okay. So Susan, just first off, tell us a little bit about your family and where you're from. We know it's Minnesota. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Sue. Sure. I'm honored to be here. Um, my husband and I, we are actually, um, as this is being recorded in September. So right. mm-hmm. next week, we are actually going to be celebrating 31 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're very excited about that. And we are empty nesters. We've been empty nesters for several years now, eight years um, to be exact. Uh, we have one daughter. She and her husband live about two hours north of us. Mm. And um, we actually get to be grandparents as well. So uh, we are grandparents to the most three adorable little girls on the face of the planet. And um, they are ages four and under. Oh, wow. She's a busy uh, mom. uh, Yes, you heard that right. Four and under. Um, It's uh, it's really busy at their house, but they're doing a fantastic job. And I love being a grandma. I just Mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. I often describe it as like my heart grew these stretch marks um, (laughs) to to, to just like, because my heart was just so filled with, with this love for these grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And um, I just love it. You know, it's, it's funny that uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are grandparents, but you know, before I became one, I had friends that were grandparents and they would say to me, oh, wait till you become a grandma. It's just the best. And, you know, of course, you don't have anything to compare it to. So you just kind of shake your head, you know, like, oh, yeah, I can hardly wait. But then when we had our first grandchild, I got it. So and you're just two hours away. That's a blessing. Yeah, Yeah. that's a blessing for them as well as for you. So tell us about your ministry. You're the founder of She Rises Minnesota. That sounds pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So yes, I am the creator and founder of She Rises here in Minnesota. Um, I host an annual two-day women's conference. 
And uh, in a, apart from that, I also host one day events that are actually a stripped down version of the two day conference. And I take the message of She Rises and partner with churches in the surrounding area. And then also I've taken it to um, surrounding states. So North Dakota, Iowa, I've been over in Wisconsin as well, um, partnering with churches and um, just bringing the message of She Rises for just one day type events. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really, they're really great. The Lord is just moving so powerfully through She Rises. And I'm, I'm just so grateful. You know, I, I think back to, um, you know, I just hosted this past year, our 10th event. And I think back to that very first one and, uh, you know, you don't know what you're doing, or at least I didn't, you know, we don't, we don't know what we're doing. Your your guinea pig one, you know, Uh, right. (laughs) But, you know, God, God is just looking for our obedient. Yes. And a willing heart. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to say here, here am I, here I am, Lord, if you can use me, my one life, I surrender to you and you can use me. Um, So over at She Rises, we are impassioned to help women know the truth of who they are in Christ and set aside anything that's holding them back from living that out um, in the fullest way that Jesus intends for them to. Uh, This is uh, a message I've seen popping up in a lot of places. And why do you think that is that women in particular need to know who they, who God made them to be? Yeah, I think that I think that there's many different factors that play into that, but I do think that the world is always trying to um, sell us this message that if we fit into this mold or if we look like this, if we have these types of things in our lives, then we will be secure, we'll be more confident. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is all of those things that the world offers us are subject to change. Oh, yeah. And so once those things change, if we have rooted ourselves, um, you know, if we've misplaced our identity and our confidence in those things, when they change, then that changes in us too. Whereas if we place our confidence and discover who we are in Christ and we're firmly and, um, you know, just established and rooted in that, then those, those types of things, no matter if they change in our lives, because we're founded and rooted and grounded in Christ, the changeless one, um, then those things can change all they want, but I'm firmly rooted and established in Christ, his thoughts toward me about my life and about my future. They never, ever change because he doesn't change. Uh, I remember when this first hit me, at least that I recall, I think I was around 30 and I switched jobs and towns. And so then I switched friends that I didn't have any. And the job they gave me was, excuse me, was in ministry, but I thought I was going to be an assistant to the director, which I was, but I was not the assistant director. Do you see the difference between that? Mm -hmm. And so when I was like uh, figuring out what to call myself, it bothered me that I wasn't the assistant director, even though I knew when I come into it, came into it and I thought, why does this bother me? Oh, well, pride. Number one, it sounds better to be assistant director than like an admin assistant, which I would be a terrible admin because I'm so disorganized. But when he found out what Myers-Briggs I was, well, you can't be my assistant. I go too bad. I am. But um, 
but I thought, wow, this bothers me because I was a teacher. And when you're a teacher or in like a pastor, excuse me, speaker, this is our identity. We, we take on, and it's not just the world. We take on these identities, right? And yeah. so I thought, why, why am I rattled? I can't even find um, a little sign for my desk that says assistant to the director. And I wouldn't want one. So I thought, why is this bother me? Oh, because I am being rattled by what the world would think rather than thinking about what I haven't changed. God loves me the same. Right. So how do you know, uh, has this ever happened to you where you, why did you choose this as your passion to talk about? Cause you wrote a whole devotional on it. Yeah. And uh, you know, really that's the overall, the arching ministry um, message of she rises uh, you know, that's um, really that message is incorporated into every book that I write and in some way, you know, into my podcast episodes and just those various types of things. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, you know, if, if we, if we understand that God first does a work in us and then he does a work through us uh, for me personally, identity was something that he really taught me and set me free from mm -hmm. and helped me to be more secure in who I am in Christ, because my past is really muddy. It's very checkered. Um, you know, I have some trauma in my life, um, just very dysfunctional growing up. And so I was trying to look for love in all the wrong places. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a song somewhere yes. about that. I'm sure there's more than one, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to find love in all the wrong, uh, in all the wrong places. And, um, you know, and then having done some things that I can't undo, um, having been places I had no business being having things done to me that no one deserves um, to have done to them and labels, you know, all of these things. And so it's that greater work that he has done in me that I am so passionate about seeing him do through me to communicate to women, no matter your age, your background, whatever your status is in life, you're educated or not, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a retired person, doesn't matter mm -hmm. your identity in Christ is secure. And we want that to trump any other voice, um, whether it's an outside voice um, in the world, or it's even in our own mindset. Um, so often, like you said, it's up here, we have to mm -hmm. be renewed up here, um, and, and begin to change some, some of our thoughts that we're thinking. Uh, Susan, uh, without being too personal, was there a certain event that clicked in you that you said, Hey, I've got to stop taking on these labels that even I've placed on myself based on my events, things that happened to you or that you were around or things you did. Was there one particular catalyst that said, Hey, I'm going to stop taking on what the world says or what I say, or who my parents said I was or whatever it was. And I'm going to now believe what God says. Cause I think it would be hard to go on and tell someone and say, Hey, you're just supposed to believe what God says you are. So was there a, an event and how do you, this is two, these are two questions. The second question is, how do you translate that to someone who is, who needs to hear it? 
Yeah, really good questions. First, I think that it doesn't just happen overnight. Okay. You know, we don't just wake up, you know, right. one day mm-hmm. and oh, this is who I'm, who I am. And this is what I'm going to believe. Okay. It's a process. And so, uh, you know, just maybe that would be an encouragement for your listeners that are going yep. through this, that it's a process and that's okay. You serve a very patient God <laughs> and he's willing to work with us. But for me, uh, I attended I attended a a healing uh, retreat type weekend for um, just some inner healing, um, just to kind of help me begin to walk through uh, some of the trauma and the things that I had been through as a child. Mm -hmm. And then through that, and that took a process. So the weekend itself was a, it was two weekends. And then apart from that, I began meeting with someone one-on-one and and she sort of came alongside me and helped me to begin to walk through some of these things and help me to understand that I'm not this person. This is who I am in Christ. And so it really kind of began that process of, of working out some things in my heart, some things that, that in deeply wounded, um, and just even some thoughts that I had about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for people that women that, that I meet, whether it's in the prison setting or, you know, one-on-ones, um, I, I do a lot of mentoring and, and just connecting with women. We begin at that, at that place, you know, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, why do you think you're feeling this way? Mm-hmm. Why do you think you're, you're thinking these thoughts? You know, if we can begin to, um, kind of apply the brakes, if you will, and begin to trace it back, like, when did that start? Mm-hmm. When did you start believing? that lie? Mm -hmm. When did you start thinking that thought and then kind of being able to come at it from that angle and pray into it from that angle? Um, I think that identifying things is, is really huge in being able to move forward in these areas. Because what I have found, not only in my own experience, but in working with other women is um, otherwise, if we're not able to identify what the what the root is, we're just kind of maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And so we're just, you know, almost like throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping what's, you know, seeing what sticks, Um, you know, we're trying this and trying that. But if we can um, kind of peel the layers back a little bit and get to that place then we begin to um, identify the root of why I'm thinking this or why Mm -hmm. I'm feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And then once that lie is exposed, we can then apply truth to that. But that's a, that's a, it's a process for sure. Well, as I'm listening to you, I think I bet that some have so many layers that once the process starts, they might be even too fearful to continue because the more layers, then you go, I mean, I just talked to a woman whose son, adult married son called her to say that her own husband had abused him. And she didn't know after 25 years of marriage and to have to keep going further and further and further down. It's incredibly painful. It's like you have to do the pain work before you get the healing work. It sounds like therapy in a good way, because you're bringing the truth of God uh, onto it. How old were you when you started this, um, when you were meeting with that person? Oh, golly, that was, I was probably in my early forties. So, oh, that recent. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that first retreat, that first weekend of that healing retreat, um, 
there, when things started, started surfacing and I kind of knew, you know, like, because Mm I, I was really great at stuffing things and not addressing things and, and just kind of, you know, we get really good at being stuffers, you know, and, and just kind of ignoring and pushing things under the rug. And, um, and so I, I noticed that things started coming up and I wasn't able to stuff them and hide them. And so I I went to this, this healing retreat and I realized that, oh my goodness, I've been carrying these things around. I've been married to my husband for many, many years, and he isn't even aware of these things. And so, Hmm. you know, when you talk about that there's, there's an element of, of fear and hesitation, um, because, pain doesn't feel good. You know, we don't sign our, you know, we don't raise our hands and say, yeah, I'll walk through that. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we can help women come alongside them and help them, help them to understand that it's, it, it is painful, but there's another side to this. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. another side to what you're walking through and it will be worth it. Mm-hmm. It'll be worth it. And to remind people that, that God is a gentleman, that he's, you know, he doesn't just force his way into, um, into our, into our hearts, you know, these, these walls that we've built around our heart um, to sort of protect ourselves because that's what we do. You know, we, we, we want to protect ourselves because we've been hurt. Um, And so he sees those walls and it's his heart to set us free and to bring healing and wholeness um, to those areas of our heart. But he's such a gentleman and he knows what we can handle. Mm -hmm. And so I like to say it like this. He doesn't just come barging in and start kicking walls down. He walks us through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my, my third book that I, um, that I wrote, her heart is free. It actually, um, that's actually my story. A lot of Mm -hmm. my story is in there. Um, And it's, it talks about just walking through this process with the Lord and then rising healed and whole mm-hmm. um, and helping me to overcome um, just this, this addiction I had to um, people pleasing and the wounds of rejection and abandonment in my life. Uh, and just that, that constant narrative in my mind that because of what I'd been to, through and some of the things that were spoken over me, I was never going to be enough for people. Nobody would ever Mm. like me. I would never be in a healthy relationship. Um, So yeah, it's, but it's a process and um, to just be encouraged that the Lord wants that for you. I see it as a miracle that you chose well in finding a good man when you Mm -hmm. were in the process. I mean, you'd already stuffed those things. And so God is so gracious that in spite of ourselves, yeah. And we all have issues with people pleasing and addiction to uh, perfectionism or whatever. Or the sad part is the wounds of abandonment. If you were left as a child, or there's so many people who suffer from that. I had some women over for dessert the other night, and I just asked who was their childhood hero because we were doing conversation starters. To, we didn't know each other, and this older woman said, "Well, my grandmother, because it wasn't safe in my home." And then, so then you realize there's a big story there. And then two people down the couch said, and she was 30 years younger. And she said, well, my grandmother, because it wasn't safe in my home. And I thought out of 10 women in my house, two were saying they were uh, abandoned, at least emotionally by their dads. And uh, it's so prevalent. Do you think it's more prevalent now 
or is it just that people are talking about it more than maybe a hundred years ago? I think for sure people are talking about it more. It's, mm-hmm. it's more, um, there's more opportunity to talk about it yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I feel like people are more willing to hold space for one another mm-hmm. more than, you know, what they were several years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, how many of us have stories of, of going to people um, like my story, going to people that could have been a voice for you, could have protected you, had the, had the power to do that, but um, refused to and mm-hmm. kept uh, allowing you to be susceptible to things like that. And so th- those are just really deep. There's abandonment that comes with that. There's rejection that, and just, you know, not feeling loved and cared. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like these deep, these deep things. And, um, my husband is amazing. I, I always say that he, uh, you know, we were not, we were not people of faith when we got married. Wow. Wow. Uh, and so we were, <laughs> we were a mess. I brought all that mess with me. Bless that man's heart. <laughs> well, we all do, even when we're believers. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's, he's just amazing. And, and mm-hmm. I always say that he was a, a true picture and continues to be of the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just really loved me in all of my pain and my brokenness. And, um, yeah, he, he's just an incredible man. Wow. That's wonderful to hear. Tell me about uh, you going into prisons. When did that start and how do you do it? Oh, golly. I've been doing that for um, probably about 20 years now mm-hmm. uh, in the federal and state prison settings here in Minnesota. Uh, I'm so passionate about that. I love it. Um, and I, I think that because so many of their stories um, I resonate with, mm-hmm. um, I always say that oftentimes the difference between um, them and me is they got caught and I didn't. Uh, and so um, I, yeah, I'm very passionate about going in there and sharing my story, the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. Uh, we, so I, off, I go in underneath two different umbrellas. Um, underneath a a ministry here in the state of Minnesota, where we go in and we host um, two times a year, a four day uh, faith filled Christian retreat, um, where we are, you know, one on one with them, I serve uh, as a pastor, I get to serve as um, in a role of a clergy um, Mm -hmm. in in the prison settings. And so getting to meet with them and pray with them on a one on one. And then also apart from that, I um, go in and lead a Sunday morning church service under the under the umbrella of She Rises. And um, of course, now with COVID, um, we haven't mm-hmm. been able to go in because of, um, you know, just the different dynamics with that, but sure miss being in there. And I'm looking forward to those doors opening again. I think about them so often. Can you do it virtually? Like, because they have TVs. We cannot, we cannot, huh? they, um, why not? I wonder why. they, they don't have, um, they're not allowed to have, uh, they're lim- they're very limited in their internet access. Oh. It's very monitored, um, mm. extremely limited that mm. way. So have you ever had any of the women, uh, mock, mock what you're trying to bring them because they say, no, I tried Jesus. That didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you say? Yeah. Uh, well, so I, you know, I listen to them, you know, just listen to them, but, and I encourage them to stay 
um, for, so like the, the four day retreat weekends, they can go, they, they can leave if they want to, but per prison guidelines, once they leave, they can't come back. back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I encourage them to stay, to, to give the weekend to try. Um, and really it's just, it's just loving them right where they're at, because Mm -hmm. oftentimes what, what is fueling that is there's something that an experience that they've had of some kind, you know, that's pain, it's brokenness, something that is, is just really fueling that their anger, something, you know, has mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and so just loving them right where they're at, smiling at them and engaging in conversation outside of um, faith, you know, tell me about your kids, you know, where are right. you from, you know, mm-hmm. like those types of things. And so building a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And so they begin to feel more comfortable around me mm-hmm. that I'm not here to just, you know, thump them over the head with my Bible. Right. Um, but I care about you as a person. Mm-hmm. I see you as an individual. Uh, and I think that that's, that that's a big part of sharing our faith is it's mm-hmm. not a, all about how much scripture we can quote. Um, you know, or how much Bible we know. Uh, it's not about how much how much time we spend in prayer. It's seeing the people right in front of us and loving them mm-hmm. right where they're at, seeing them as a human being. Right. And they're probably so used to being clumped together yeah. as uh, under a stereotype or just because they are in prison. Yeah. Um, and I, I like to say that listening is the greater part of God's love for someone in prison or out, our neighbors, same thing mm-hmm. that uh, the Lord just wants me to ask a question and then be quiet and listen to their heart, even that's underneath their words. And I see that you are very good about doing that. I have a practical question. When you say a retreat in the prison, what do you actually mean by that? I mean, do they come and sleep over at a camp nearby or they all stay within the walls and they just come to a meeting and listen to you speak? Very good question. So we come in uh, the four day retreat. There's about 25 of us as a team that come in, which is a when you think about a prison setting, all of us coming onto that compound with all of our stuff. It's a really big deal Mm -hmm. because everything that we're bringing is considered contraband. Um, And so, you know, there's detectors and there, I mean, there's a lot of red tape for us to, to have to get in there. So it's a, it's a privilege. It's, it's God's favor and blessing upon us. Hmm. So um, we, we stay, uh, we enter the, enter the grounds at seven o'clock in the morning and we leave at nine o'clock at night. Um, So we're there that entire time on, on campus, on the compound, we meet in a a particular room. It's called a community room and um, they hear several messages throughout the day we have. And then we transfer um, into uh, what we refer to as like the chapel services. So there's a, you know, kind of coming and going back and forth in rooms and stuff like that. But the team members, we stay in hotel rooms or if there's a team member from the town, you know, like if they're local, um, sometimes people will stay with them, but, or drive in if they're nearby, but we're not um, sleeping there, mm-hmm. but we are there for, you know, 12, 14 hours. And is this your ministry or you're a, just a team member of somebody else? I'm a team member of that. And then under in, in she rises, I lead the church, a church service on a Sunday morning for them for the Mm -hmm. same retreat. Wow. That is so great. And it's right. What God says to do, you know, that is the gospel. When you 
help the prisoner. Yeah, you know, right. The poor and the prisoner and the crippled and the lame. That's what I learned from Johnny yeah. Erickson. You know, I, I looked at people after I interviewed her, I looked at people in wheelchairs in a whole new light mm. because we can just ignore them, but we don't want to embarrass them by staring, but it's like, you can just ignore them. And she even said that in her book. I don't know if you recall, she said, I used to like ride, ride my horse by this children's hospital. And six months later, I was flat on my back in the same hospital. Then I noticed the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so just in talking to her, it raises our awareness. So thank you for sharing what you and your team, uh, 24 other people are doing. Is it uh, twice a year? You said two weekends a year. Wow. And then, uh, in addition to that, we're allowed to come in um, once a month for follow-up, um, mm-hmm. you know, so who, that way. Who would they talk to if someone is in a different state and they would want to, we have a prison in our town, uh, if they would want to um, learn how you do it, not to call you 25 to California, but um, how to start, who would they contact? Uh, Karis of Minnesota. Karis, oh, like great, the word grace. C-H-A-R-I-S. Um, uh, uh, yep. C-H-A-R-I-S of mm-hmm. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's so great. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. So in regards to legacy, I could probably guess what your legacy is, but I want you to say it. What do you say is your legacy that you want to pass down to those who know and love you? Oh, I love this question. You know, I think that um, there's a lot of things that people could say about, about me, you know, she had mm-hmm. these events and she wrote books and, you mm-hmm. know, she did all of these great things, but what I want to be told about me the most is that I was a woman of deep faith. Mm-hmm. She did all of these things, but let me tell you about her faith. That's what I want said of me. And it reminds me of, of what the apostle Paul said to a young Timothy in second Timothy chapter one, verse five, he said, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues mm-hmm. strong in you. And so we see that Timothy's mom modeled her faith and right. his faith was nurtured by her and by his grandmother. And yeah, I, I just, I feel like we can, I, for me personally, I can do all of these great things and that's awesome. And, you know, to God be the glory, but I want it said of me, let me tell you about her faith. Mm, that kind of makes me cry because of the mother and grandmother part. Um, and I would ask, how are you currently doing that? Yeah. I'm sure people know. Yeah, um, well, for sure, through, you know, the, the women's conferences, podcasts and books, but I also, I also would want my grandchildren, you know, I'm an empty nester, but I would want my grandchildren to see me mm-hmm. um, praying and worshiping and reading my Bible. I, I want to lead by example in these areas, not by just what I say, but if someone were to watch me from afar, just by their observing my life, that they would mm-hmm. determine that I am a person of of deep faith. And I also think that serving is is a demonstration of my faith. You know, we kind of talked about that already, that that it's not about me running around, you know, with all these scriptures and, you know, running around and, um, you know, all of that and quoting Bible verses and stuff like that, but it's also serving, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, and it's these acts of kindness and seeing people, um, uh, you know, who are in front of me. And I think of uh, the, the quote by mother Teresa, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but she said, 
share your faith often and at times use words. Yeah. You know, I I just, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that, that I try to do is just really lead by example in, in those ways. And Susan, I was thinking we're both um, public speakers and people can put us on pedestals just because we're up above them, literally on a stage, which kind of irritates me. And so I try to be as real as possible without picking my nose in front of everybody. Uh, so that they don't do that for my own good as well as theirs. But also I don't want them to have the excuse that, well, I don't have as deep a faith as Susan or Sue. Uh, And so God doesn't love me as much. And so um, the fact that you say to lead by example, to not bash them over the head with your Bible, to serve in love, to wash feet, you know, when our, um, we went on mission trips, we would wash each other's feet and it was kind of odd. We're not used to being that intimate with someone's feet, but it was such a good uh, way to remember how, how Jesus served us, of course, all the way to the cross. Um, what changes did you have to make or obstacles did you need to overcome to um, know that this is what the legacy you want to lead to be a woman of faith? Mm, yeah, um, I think that, you know, thinking about this question, I had to had to go back a little bit to when our daughter was growing up and how I lived this out in our home. But an obstacle that that I had to overcome was thinking I needed to paint a rosy picture of what a person of faith looked like. I, I needed to learn how to share what I refer to as God stories of how he came through for us when we had a need, um, how he answered prayers or, um, you know, how good the Lord is. And I mean, of course, these stories, you know, they were age appropriate for her to be able to understand and for us to have simple conversations. Mm -hmm. But even, you know, even something um, I I, I was reminded, um, really going back into the archives of my brain, (laughs) but just thinking about this question and, and being reminded of, when we were newly married, uh, new mom, you know, and we didn't have two pennies to rub together. Uh, we were so poor. And, you know, it was it was October. I was new in my faith. I was attending this women's Bible study, just did not know a thing. And um, I began to understand how much God cares about even the smallest details of our lives. You know, when I came to faith, I, I thought that God was just like, you know, this big and, and he only cares about like these big things. But we had we had um, so much need financially Mm -hmm. and, you know, with it being around the harvest time, you know, Halloween type time. And I wanted our daughter to have pumpkins. And I am telling you, we were so broke. I didn't even have money to go to the pumpkin patch to buy pumpkins for her. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad about that. And but learning at my Bible study that God even cares about that. Mm -hmm. And so I began praying you know, God, would you provide pumpkins? I mean, it sounded so silly, Mm-mm, you know, it. to me as just being, you know, <laughs> new, new in my faith and beginning to really understand the heart of God that he cares about even a pumpkin. And do you know that God provided pumpkins for her? Um, someone just, you know, I felt like I felt led to give you these pumpkins. Would you mind if I sent these home with you? Well, to someone <laughs> new, to someone new yeah. in her faith, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that was that was a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was sharing those types of stories um, with our daughter as she was growing up and, and even, you know, sh- reminding her of those stories now as, as she's, <clears throat> you know, being a mom to, to her kids. And, um, but I think that just 
kind of overcoming that obstacle of, I don't need to paint a rosy picture that, that God cares about every single detail of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost an overused phrase. I feel funny when I say God is in the details, but he is in the details. Mm -hmm. And I remember my youngest, she has a compassionate heart. Now she's an MFT, (laughs) but she was so sad about one of her soccer buddies because the coach would only let her play um, the goalie and she didn't want to be goalie anymore. And so Mary Grace and I would pray that the coach would change her mind. And the next game, she didn't have to play goalie. And I remember Mary's faith growing as a result of seeing that such a quick answer to a child's prayer. And then I just sort of nonchalantly, not whatever that word is, casually um, share that story, meaning making Mary the hero of the story a little bit when I was sharing it with another soccer mom. And she just looked at me like I was the from Mars, you know, why would, first of all, that I prayed that I believed and that God answered a prayer, but she saw the result, you know, the answer was there. And so those are the things that we pray our kids will remember and that we speak about them. We don't have to keep them to ourselves. It's kind of scary to say out loud, well, let's pray about that Bonnie or Bethany. And what if God doesn't answer, at least not in the timing that they want. Well, there's a whole batch of stories in scripture where we have to wait a little bit longer than six months. And um, so we just keep turning their hearts back to the Lord. Susan, this has been a wonderful conversation. Is there any wisdom that you would like to leave uh, with our audience? Yeah, well, uh, I think that as adults, it's so easy to get caught up in the hurried pace of life and um, that we don't notice people around us, but to just be reminded of how Jesus modeled this for us in his earthly ministry, that he lived an unhurried pace of life Mm -hmm. and was always present in the moment. Um, I see that in his earthly ministry. And I think especially in our fast paced world that people are looking and longing for connectivity, Um, especially with, you know, just all of the the health related type things that we've been going through. People um, are looking for connectivity uh, to to be seen, to be heard um, and, you know, to just have have some value expressed to them. And I think that for anyone listening um, in your audience that are is raising kids to remember that while there are many opportunities in the world for our kids that our most significant impact happens within the walls of our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, our, our kids could miss out on a lot have it, has it not been for our guidance, our influence and our light shining in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the couple of things that were just really on my heart for us here. Well, that's encouraging for every mom, because we sometimes think like all we do is change dog diapers and, and try to scrape the Cheerios off the floor. That's how I felt when my kids were little and you don't have a label that makes you feel worthwhile. So thank you for those really encouraging words. Uh, There's a great book about something about unhurriedness by John Mark Comer. Perhaps you've read that. And the whole idea that God wasn't in a hurry and isn't in a hurry. And so listeners out there today, if some of you are carrying some trauma and deep hurt, maybe you haven't even gone through the layers yet, that God is patient and will help you uncover them and bring you along. Let's pray for those people, Susan, that God would bring them uh, alongside someone who could help them and walk them through that. And then find the answers, of course, 
in who Christ said that we were his beloved and his masterpiece. So thank you so much, Susan. And we were, we will be giving away your 31 days to knowing our identity in Christ. What's it called? What's the name of the book? The Confident Woman Within. Woo, that's a great title. I wish I thought of it, but I'm glad you wrote it. And <laughs> we'll be giving it away this week on social media. So be sure to leave a comment on Instagram uh, and or my blog. So thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for having me. Sure. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.